Minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to the show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Sinkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. You can find her at MsAida.com. M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A dot com. Also, this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And she is a tarot reader, evidential medium, and psychic. And you can find her at tarotbyginger.com. And also, Alan Questell. And you can find Alan Questell at uncommonsensing.com. And he has a new book out on Amazon called Intentional Acts of Kindness. Definitely check it out. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Rob Shelsky. He's a regular on this show. Thanks for coming on again. Well, thanks for having me back again. And by the way, did you say Tuesday or Thursday? Thursday. Oh, okay. <laughs> you might want to rewind that and check. It sounded like Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday? You're in a different time zone, aren't you? I'm on <laughs> another planet, I think. Other domestic, yeah. <laughs> Probably me. I'm still getting used to these earbuds, and they're um, strange. They say things to me. They I think they're supposed to, to. Well, I mean, besides your voice and other people's voices and music, it, yeah. it also actually talks to me. A and C on, A and C off. Transparent mode. I don't know what any of that is. But how do you know it's me talking to you through your earbuds and you not just imagining my voice? Nobody could imagine that voice. (laughs) (laughs) It's like sort of a cross between a steam shovel and a gravel pit. I never liked the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Actually, it does sound fine. I'm only kidding you. So You have a good radio voice, is what I would call it. Thank you. No, so, you're welcome. <laughs> we really didn't plan this topic, so... <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, what we talked about before, like <laughs> UFOs and Jesus. <laughs> and nuns. Don't forget and the nuns. nuns. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the nuns, yeah. unnecessary evil. But uh, if you haven't grown up with them, I don't think people understand, you know? You'd have to go to Catholic school to really understand nuns, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hmm. Sister Mary Costa was ugly, but she's long dead, so I can say it without being sued. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about, it's not only so much Jesus, but historical spiritual figures. Well, the odd thing is they do seem to come in cycles. You know, the Hindus believed in the avatars and that mm. they would herald a new age. And uh, the it seems like history does kind of go with that. I mean, 
you have the God of the Old Testament, who is a very angry, very vengeful God, not my idea of a good God at all. Mm. And so. then you have the uh, Jesus, who basically is the second God, although he's supposed to be the son of God. never quite understood that. But uh, he's sort of the God of love. and Well, maybe more the God of mercy, I think, although there's love involved with that, too. And now it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius, and we're supposed to be in the age of love and understanding. So, and if so, we need another avatar. No new avatar has appeared. It's been 2,000 years. Somebody's not doing their job. Hmm. They should be here by now. They're late. Uh, maybe they're having trouble hiring? <laughs> Are we all? <laughs> a I haven't bad, been able to a bad get a good gardener for fart? three years. <laughs> <laughs> Gods and gardeners, both hard to come by. Yeah. Gods up there interviewing people. No, no. Nope. <laughs> well, now he has to deal with millennials, and you can see his problem. You know, their work ethic isn't the best. <laughs> or so I'm told. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think every older generation always disparages the next generation. I think millennials are fine. I think you know? so, too, actually. And I think they're working, laboring under terribly difficult circumstances. Think about when they grew up. I mean, we had the Great Recession, we had the pandemic. When I grew up, all we worried about was the Cold War and nothing ever really seriously happened with that except the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was pretty bad, but it was short-lived, you know. Mm -hmm. But what they have had to go through is years of recession, years of pandemic, and with the baby boomers owning everything, they can't even afford a house to live in. The Gen Zers are the same way. It's like uh, the lost generations, you know? So if there is a Jesus, he needs to help them out, you know? He really does. Do you believe in Jesus? Direct question. Do you or do you not believe in Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus? I believe that there was a guy named Jesus. And, you know, I always get ridiculed of my opinion on this. But I think that Jesus was a guy that um, he was... Probably not anybody special. A regular Jewish guy who traveled over to India, learned Buddhism, <laughs> came back to Jerusalem or wherever. You know, he went to England. And I've heard that story. He That's right. I'm, I'm getting to that part of it. There's, there's, there's oh. a weird part of it where, and, and he comes back and um, tries to, you know, teach. Judaism through like a, a, a Buddhist lens. And, and that's what sort of like we were, what became Christianity is, is that type of philosophy. And then they wanted to crucify him. And I believe that Judas was probably Jesus's twin brother and took his place on the cross. And then Jesus went to Europe. Well, you should be a fiction writer. <laughs> Why this this theory has been out there forever. I think it's the Book of Thomas or something that says a story that's pretty similar. That, to that Judas died on the cross. The Book of Judas. Doesn't it said, say it said that. like like somebody else died, didn't it? Or or Thomas. They said it was Thomas. The guy's name was. That's like the Book of Thomas, right? But Jesus was supposed to have gone to England with his uncle Joseph of Arimathea for a visit. Mm-hmm. And he landed in the Cockfold area that used to be flooded. It's diked off now, so it's land. But right at in Glastonbury. And he planted a thorn tree at Glastonbury Abbey. And I went there and visited it. And they have a, a sacred chalice well. It runs with red water. It looks like blood. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. They say if you drink of it, you have everlasting life. Did you drink it? Yes, I did. I didn't pay for it at the main fountain. They have a little side spigot out on the wall mm-hmm. where it comes out the side where poor people can get big bottles of it. So I went there and got a paper cup and filled it and drank it. It's basically rusty water. Mm-hmm. And it tastes like rusty water. <laughs> okay, so I'm not interviewing an immortal? Uh, well, my father drank it too, and he died, so I'm guessing not. Huh. Although I have my fingers crossed. but uh, yeah he was supposed to have landed at Glastonbury Tor which is like an island it's supposed to have been Avalon King Arthur all Mm -hmm. of that was right there and uh, I went up and climbed that hill up to the little tower there and uh, it dates way back uh, and I saw the thorn tree that he supposedly planted 2,000 years ago at Glastonbury Abbey I'm not sure I buy that either but you know I don't know. What would the route be like to get there for him? Oh, actually, he just would have docked right there. It was all water. So he would have had to sail there? Yeah, would have sailed right in. And Glastonbury uh, Tor would have been an island. He would have landed there, and then there would have been a short well, bit of is, water. Is, was, is that a doable thing at that time? Well, sure. Romans had galleys and ships. <laughs> and they we know they were in Cornwall. They were uh, buying copper and tin from the mines there way back 2,000 years ago. Hmm. And the Romans occupied uh, England for quite a long time. So what did he do while he was at Glastonbury? Apparently he planted a thorn tree. <laughs> That's it? He just came there to plant a tree, and he goes back to Jerusalem. Well... like I'm trying to make sense of this story. Like, he, like, he like There has to be a motive, right? <laughs> well, he was there with his um, uncle because they were doing trade. For copper and tin, or something like that. Really? So, so Jesus was just a salesman? I don't know if he was a salesman or just along for the ride, but uh, it was <laughs> almost sounds like blasphemy. But I mean, he, uh, but you know, the national anthem of England sings the song. It says, And did his feet trod these ancient fields of England? It's, oh, Jerusalem is their song. It's kind of their national hymn. Quite interesting. I didn't know any of this. No. Well, you know, Glastonbury Abbey is right on a ley line. And guess where it goes, that ley line? It goes straight up to Scotland, and the Roslyn Chapel from the Da Vinci Code is right on the same ley line. And I went there. To... Mary Magdalene was supposed to be buried there for a while. Do you, think now, that, do you think that Jesus and Mary had a baby together? Oh, absolutely. They were married. Whether or not they had a baby, I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, historically speaking, no Jewish man ever lived to the age of 35 without being married. It was just not done. You know how Jewish mothers can be. <laughs> they, can, they can be pretty insistent. So can Catholic mothers like mine. But um, yeah, they, uh, he definitely would have been married. He would not have been a single man at the age of 30, 32, or 35, especially at a time when you only lived on average to about 35 or 40. So yeah, he would have been married. And I'm pretty sure it was Mary Magdalene. And uh, she probably did have a kid. And the um, Merovingian line... In France and stuff, probably were direct descendants. The uh, what was their name? The San was it San something? Can't think of their name now. Sancier or something like that. But um, they were the holy holy line apparently. And apparently now Mary uh, Magdalene is hanging out at the Louvre in uh, Paris. Mm. He's buried under that pyramid. Well, I can't think of that name either. Seeing something. Saint Clair. 
Yeah, Sinclair. 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 Yes. It became Sinclair. Yeah. The English are funny. They changed Saint to Sin. You know, in mm. English, it, they named their kids sometimes Saint John, but they pronounced it Sinjin. Hmm. Isn't that weird? It is weird. My middle name is Ralph, which I hate, but in England it's pronounced Rafe. I like Rafe. Hate Ralph. Hmm. I wonder what they called Jesus. I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> Boy, we really talk about nothing, don't right? we? <laughs> do, you, do you think that that was Mary in the picture that Vinci painted of the Last Supper? I don't think it was Mary because Da Vinci came a long time after Mary and Mary Magdalene. Uh, so, mean, so, Mary. so there is a woman in that picture, you think? Uh, in the Last Jesus? Supper? Yeah. In the last I'm supper. convinced that the one who is left is Mary Magdalene. Okay. That is Da Vinci's way of, of codifying it. If you look at the original painting, not the ones that have been redone where they've even given him a beard, and stuff, but the original painting, the clothing is reversed of Jesus's. Red, blue, blue, red. If you look at Jesus, he forms the pyramid at the sort of shape. If you were to draw um, perspective lines at the center, and right between him and Mary Magdalene forms a V, which is chalice, the sacred chalice. Mm -hmm. And I think that was Da Vinci's way of coding that. This And of all the apostles, there's only one other one without a beard, and the one that looks by far and away the most female is, what is it, supposedly St. John? Is that the one that's right next to him on the left? I forget. I don't I'm not very religious anymore. But, uh, I mean, long, flowing brown hair, uh, very feminine features. Yeah, I think uh, definitely that Da Vinci was doing Mary Magdalene. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, and, and I think this goes way back. I, I think the church just did not want to have a man who was too human to deify someone, they have to be above humanity, mostly. Mm. And if there was a kid hanging around anywhere, a Sinclair somewhere, that is a direct descendant, that wouldn't do the churches, any church, not just the Catholic church, any good. Because he would be the heir apparent. He'd be the truly holy one that should be in power and not the Pope. You do know the Pope is supposed to be the Pope, because the first bishop of Rome was appointed by Christ, according mm -hmm. to the Catholic Church, and that was Peter, and by the laying of, on of hands, each successive Pope achieved that power. But if you had an actual son or daughter of Christ, I think they would supersede the Pope. Probably. That would so, be an issue. I can see that, yeah, so the conspiracy, it's one of the few conspiracies I really do kind of believe in. Mind you, I believe in a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never thought of it that way. I always thought of it as uh, their way of just squashing the divine feminine. Oh, I think that was a part of it, too. I absolutely do think that. the, uh, the When the Bible was codified, including the Old Testament, which wasn't finished being codified until 100 A.D., so the Old Testament wasn't even cast in stone until 100 years after Christ, the time of Christ, almost. So when we adopted, we the Christians adopted the Bible, even the Jewish people had not codified the Torah yet. It was still open, and they only closed it in 100 AD about then. So um, you have uh, a church, and uh, the Jewish 
civilization, which is patriarchal in the extreme. And then you had the Christian inheritors of that, who are really the new Jews, if you think about it. They were just Jewish people originally who converted. They were the first Christians. And you, you have a very patriarchal society in Rome. And, of course, when they codified it, they were going to make man supreme over woman. There's no doubt about it in my mind. So Mary Mag- And a Mary Magdalene didn't become a, a prostitute until I think it was the 16th century. It was one of the popes who decided to declare her basically a woman of the streets. Up until then, she had not been seen that way. But gradually, as time went by, and the Catholic Church was weeding out any intelligent woman uh, over and over, and you know, calling them witches and getting rid of them, not allowing them to be in the church um, and uh, in any sense. They, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, it was it was a pogrom against women, yeah. and it started way back. <clears throat> it started way back to the time of um, Alexandria, at the end of the Ptolemies, practically. I mean, it was uh, who was the woman that was so famous as a scientist back then? Uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, what was it? Maybe I can find it real fast. But she was um, quite famous, and she was literally butchered. Woman of Alexandria. I'm going to look it up for you real fast here. Alexandria. Here we go. I want to say Hypatia, but that was uh, Alexandria's lover. Hypatia it was Hypatia. So uh, yeah, it's uh, she. She was a mathematician, an astronomer, a philosopher, renowned in academic circles in Alexandria. But then the Christian movement really took off and you weren't allowed to wear uh women weren't allowed to wear jewelry or makeup they had to wear something on their heads she would not do that and they hunted her down and they killed her so yeah the, the church has a long history of hatred towards women and they still seem to well we do have the nuns now <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not into the habit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I could have said I'll have none of it, but I didn't want to push it. So, uh, <laughs> that would have been really bad. But you did got that one off anyway, didn't you? Yes, I did. I snuck that in. Notice I said snuck and not sneak. <laughs> but by the way, it should be sneak, not snuck. When did we start, start saying snuck instead of he, he sneaked into the room? He snuck into the room? I don't know. So is the past tense of squeak, squawk? Yeah. The, the chicken squawk? I don't know. The man snuck? I don't know. Maybe it changed. Maybe it's one of those Mandela it, effect it, things. It, it did change. It used to be uh, uh, sneak. The sneak, sneak does sound better. It does sound yeah, gra- it does. grammatically correct. What? And we say sneakers. We don't say snuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a jam. Oh, no, that's smuckers. But... Uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to wear smuckers on your feet. But, uh, you know, I don't... Uh, and it bothers me. You know, in England, in the Oxford Dictionary, it's still strictly uh, the original way, sneaked. Mm-hmm. They, they do not countenance snuck, and I don't think we should either. Hmm. But language changes with the times. So what are you going to do? Yeah, language is weird, too. It's what frames our reality. I've been reading a lot about our reality lately kind of spooky. I've really been investigating the Shadow Men, too. Did you know the movie uh, Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger? He is a remake of the Shadow Person, the Hat Man? That makes sense. Yeah, I did not know that. The producer or director 
got the idea from of the shadow man, the hat man. And he, they turned it into Freddy Krueger. That's why it's called Nightmare on Elm Street. Because usually you see these shadow people at night when you have sleep paralysis or in your bed. So, what do you think they are? Do you think they're interdimensional beings? I don't know if they're interdimensional. You should have asked me first if I believe they're real. Well, Go ahead and ask real. me that. <laughs> why do they have to be real? So many people see them. Well, that doesn't mean they're real. Lots of people see UFOs, too. Hmm. <laughs> are they real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they're real. I have. I think there's ample evidence to suppose that they're real and shadow people too. Yeah. I bet you've seen a shadow person once or twice in your life, at least out of the corner of your eye, yeah. blink of an eye. And did you know every single culture in the world has the mythology or history, whatever you want to call it, of shadow people? Yeah. In some form or another, even the Choctaw, and there are some very famous ones like the Hat. She's very famous. If you mm. see the hag, you're in trouble. The hat man's not good either. Now, the slender man, he was made up on the internet. But, uh, a slender man. Yeah. But, you know, whether something's real or not, if people die from it, does it make a difference? Um, so that brings up one of those things. I, and I've covered this before, too. Like, if you have enough people believing in something... It might automatically manifest anyway because so many people yes, believe it. Yes, maybe, maybe that if enough people believe in something, it's you know it's kind of like that coven of witches. What does it take like thirteen witches to form a coven mm -hmm. to manifest something? They had to have a coven. It wasn't just one. So maybe it does take. And you know they did a study. It was in the holographic universe by Michael Talbot, where they did a study and they found that if enough people believed or talked about something, it tended to manifest. And that they found this out by tracking this stuff on the internet. And, oops, I'm sorry, my phone's going off. And I don't know why. Sorry about that. There. That sounds serious. That's a star in the firmament, isn't it? Serious? A and B. <laughs> yes. Which, oddly enough, the Dogon tribe of Africa knew there was a B star as well as an A long before astronomers saw it. How did uh, they know that? I don't know how the Dogons know that. That's one of those mysteries. Yeah, but possibly aliens come. told them. Yep, that's mm -hmm. one of the theories. Or so what do you or we are the aliens. Well, there's that one doctor who wrote that book about it. Says of all the creatures on Earth, we're the most poorly adapted to our environments. Absolutely. We're the only one that gets sunburned. Where we have enormous problems with our backs. We have more diseases than any other known animal on Earth. Yeah, we're very fragile. Our, our our bodies are not conductive to the amount of gravity that this planet has, which leads me to believe that we probably came from a planet with less gravity, and that's why we are bipedal. Yeah. It doesn't explain why bears can dance on two legs, or cats can stand up and beg, or dogs. But that's not their normal position, though. <laughs> We do it all the time, and that's why we have messed up backs. I try to do, I mean, I try to I think we'd be much better suited for less gravity. Oh, yeah, I'd love to be on the moon where you take one little leap and you're a mile away. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. One-sixth of gravity? But I think the body itself, too. That's, you know, maybe we're more conductive to a smaller planet like Mars. 
I don't know. It might cause problems. You know, uh, humans in space for long periods suffer bone loss and muscle loss. And yeah, that's zero gravity. Yeah. Well, actually, microgravity, according to what I read. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about microgravity. It's a new one. Almost no gravity at all. You know, when you're orbiting Earth, you're not. It, it's you know why you're weightless. It's because you're in free fall. You're constantly falling. Mm -hmm. But you're falling so fast that you're in orbit around the Earth. You don't actually hit the Earth, but you're actually just falling. That's really what it is. And now they think that gravity might be something entirely different. Uh, this one theory might even be a function of time. What do you think gravity is? I don't know, but I think it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I have to slip that in every now and then. Um, there's one theory that gravity is from another universe, and the reason it's so weak is we're just getting the, what's kind of filtering into our universe. And, of course, there's Einstein's theory that uh, gravity is just a manifestation of uh, the warping of space-time. Mm -hmm. And that does seem to be true, because when two neutron stars or black holes orbit each other, they set off gravity waves. And these fan out across the universe, and they distort space-time. We don't see it because it's such minor distortions that everything around us is distorting the same way. If you grow an inch taller and everything around you is an inch taller, it looks normal to you. But, uh, uh, and it isn't an inch, it's a minuscule amount. But mm -hmm. uh, it, spread, it, it does seem to stretch and pull. And it just uh, makes you wonder if it isn't just a manifestation of space-time and the warping of it. And why does time differ so but then, but then you have to define what is space and time. Well, space is if gravity is a manifestation of space and time, then what is space and time? And, and well, is time even real? Because is there actual evidence of time things. existing? And, well, this one theory: time doesn't exist. That the whole universe is already there, and it's like a bunch of slides in a row, and we are just moving through the slides, which gives the impression of the flow of time from the past to the future. Mm -hmm. But that time really doesn't exist. But um, that's an interesting theory. I believe that one, but, actually. But uh, if that's so, then why is it that we can warp time so thoroughly, so thoroughly and do whatever we want to do with it? You know, at the top of a tall building, they say the reason things, reason gravity might be a function of time is if you have a tall building and you're going you're gonna to move a little uh, slower, than you are at the top, because further away from the center of the mm -hmm. Earth. So at the top, you're moving a little faster. So if you were free-floating there rather than in a building, you would slowly be making an arc, and an arc would slowly bring you down to Earth, so that they're saying gravity might just be a function of time. But what time is anyone's gift? Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? I don't believe in the existence of time. I just believe that there's um, a mathematical set of what to us appears to be un infinite possibilities and the warping of the space-time probably just is something that is kind of like a, an illusion from the way we're looking at it from our perspective. It's a very powerful illusion, though, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you, you will grow old and die. Not me. I'm immortal. Remember, I think that. I know. Sacred <laughs> <laughs> And so that's a pretty powerful illusion when you drop dead, isn't it? It is. You think? 
<laughs> but I mean, I don't have all the answers. It's well, I do this sometimes. Just try to figure it out. I mean, I'm not even close to it. But I do think the reason I believe in the probability thing is because of an experience that I had. Two experiences. One was with I had a guest invite me to a remote viewing class, and the way the remote viewing seems to work fits that particular model. And then the other have you reason. Tried it? And the other reason I have that perspective, too, is because I had a seizure. And when I was out during the seizure, I had, like, a near-death experience. And then a week later, I got a book in the mail on time paradoxes that I did not order from Oxford University. And the date was sent to me, sent from six months in the future. I even took a picture, I, I even took a picture <laughs> of it and put it on Facebook. To prove it. So if you go back in my Facebook about four or five years, you'll find a picture with the picture of that book with the receipt and the date. Do you still have it? Not the book? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. why so that that's why I that's why I've come to that conclusion. You know, it was based on those two things. Well that's a pretty powerful reason, I have to admit. Now I've had synchronicities, very powerful ones that I can't explain, which seem to be outside of time. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, it's a little short story, but I uh, was watching a very old episode of The Adventures, not the Marvel comics or whatever, the original British Adventures TV series. And it was in black and white, and I had a friend over, and I said, oh, you got to see this one episode. It was the only one I had turned on and was looking at. And he goes, why? I go, well, you see um, Emma Peel, the, the woman lead? She's in a leather suit, like the, the cat suit that uh, Halle Berry wore later, much, much later. I said, that's the first time that they ever showed a woman in a suit like that on TV. It really went over big because it looks kind of clunky. I said, yeah, but it looked really cool back in 1963, mm -hmm. you know. And <clears throat> so that, that was the discussion. And then that evening, I turned on a new episode of The Simpsons. And I was telling him, he says, well, what's that about? Uh, before The Simpsons came on, I said, oh, uh, John, uh, P, uh, John Steed and Emma Peel, they're two spies for the government. They're, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek. <laughs> but uh, I said, it's very British. And um, they're always drinking tea. He had a bar and in I, his car. Then, sorry? He had a bar in his car. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had that great big old clunker, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And... Uh, so that night, I turned on an episode of The Simpsons, and I hadn't watched The Simpsons in a while, but it was a new episode, but I'd watch it. And uh, Apu, at his quickie mark, these two characters come in. One's wearing the bowler hat, looks just like John Steed, and one's dressed in a cat suit, black cat suit, just like Emma Peel. And they walk up, and they rob him. And then the one guy with the bowler hat turns to the other one and says, Mrs. Peel. <laughs> now, that's really weird. All this happened in one, and yet... The original show I was watching that morning was from 1963, 62. Uh -huh. uh, I'm talking in the present to my friend about it. And then that night, there it is on the TV, new about the... What that are is the chances weird. of that? That yeah. is really weird because that is a pretty obscure show, at least like nowadays. And it wasn't just a coincidence, two things coinciding. It was three things coinciding, past, yeah. present, and basically the future, because they had to have done that show long before I saw it on TV. That's what I'm saying. 
Yeah. It's all so, existing at the same time. Yeah, but everything happens at once. It's information. It's, kind of it's just information. Well, I do believe the universe is information. You know? And I also... People say the universe is mathematics, but mathematics is information. And I, and I think we're sort of... Like, like the information is there. And, and like, like, far as our role as a co-creator, is that we can, at least subtly, in some ways, direct what probabilities one we want to move towards. Do you think we're all, in, <clears throat> excuse me, all inside of a Boltzmann brain? That is possible. Yeah, it I is mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if that's what it is. But yeah, I mean, I definitely one possibility. It's a good possibility, yeah. actually. I was just reading an article about um, the split screen experiment with photons sending them through a split and they hitting the wall, creating a, you know, you know, yep. everyone knows the that observer now. effect. Yeah. Yeah. But now they're saying that what they think uh, is that there are shadow, back to the shadow subject again, shadow photons, a minimum of a trillion of them and probably an, an infinity of them, that every given cent, a second, what we think of as the real photon is just a shadow photon that we have materialized by observing it. <laughs> and that from instant to instant, it can be different mm -hmm. photons, shadow photons taking its place. And the same applies to us. That's so kind of like the, not, what is it called, superposition? Yes, it's a it's superposition. But it's not just superposition, but it's all possible superposition. I know. <laughs> which is which means they said that as you live your life, you're not just in one universe, you're in a multitude of universes from instant to instant as every possible version of you manifests, but you, you observe and collapse one reality as you go. Mm -hmm. And by constantly observing, we're collapsing a reality. And so we're going down that path, but it's also all these other universes where people are collapsing realities, which are you going that way. But it doesn't mean that it's really you any more than, say, your identical twins at birth, or even clones. I mean, once you're separated and you start living your own life, you become different people, don't you? I don't know. You know, that, and that's one of those weird things, too. Because, like, I, I don't know. Have, have you ever experienced going through something in your life and then you all of a sudden feel like you're living in almost like a different reality than you were before? Like they like like a think. huge paradigm shift. Yeah, rather recently too. What with the pandemic and the elections of mm -hmm. the last few years. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there is a theory that the uh, was it twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one was a simulation that we lived through, and it was a test simulation. I don't buy that necessarily, but it's possible. The thing is, if something is mathematically at all possible, then it's probable that it will happen somewhere, some way, somehow. It has to. I agree. Yeah. In an infinite universe with eternal, you know, eternity, everything has to happen, even in our own universe. Yes. But if reality is really just a constant state of a multiplicity of superpositions, then it probably is all happening at once. And then time would be an illusion. Now I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because then you have to say, okay, you got this, this superposition thing. Now what is causing that? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that, that, and that can, really is the tough one for me. I can't really wrap my head around it that far. Right? I'm not able to open my mind really past that point yet. Yeah. yeah I, sh- I should uh, be able to, but I can't yet. Well, we're only human. We have monkey brains, you know. Well, <laughs> uh, we do. I mean, we're just a. The, well, I know people don't believe in evolution. I happen to. And uh, I mean, what is we're only five percent different than a chimpanzee, genetically speaking. So I, I don't uh, believe in evolution. You don't? What do you believe? I'm not sure, but I don't believe in evolution because there's a. But the gap for me is this. I mean, evolution. I think that theory held until you know. I mean, what is there now? Like a, a hundred different, over a hundred different species now of homogeneous. Why did all those other homogeneous species die out and Homo sapiens sapiens survive? It doesn't make survival sense. Survival of the fittest. That, that's part of evolution. Survival of the yeah, fittest. Yeah, but I want I I I to see the evidence. Though. I want to see which species wiped out which species. I want well, to see the timeline. Otherwise, I still do not buy evolution because of the lack of that evidence. Nobody has shown and, me that, that, that this homo, homo genius species existed and killed off this homo genius species. Well, we weren't there, and, and, so and it has to be a, it's like a hundred of them. Yes, there were, but they were at different times. Australopithecus versus uh, Homo neanderthal. We did exist simultaneously at the tail end of the Homo neanderthal, and you have 2 to 5% genes from neanderthals in you. We yeah. all do. Mm-hmm. Well, the white race does, because we apparently intermixed with them when we were in Europe, you know, our ancestors during the cave days. But uh, so we we have evidence, scientific evidence, that Neanderthal existed because we have some of their genes in us Absolutely. now. Absolutely, yeah. And that proves that, that. We crossed, that proves that we cross-spread with them. But when you go back three million years to the very, very first humans, uh, uh, they, you know, they may not have been, they may have been Homo habilis rather than Homo sapien, but... Uh, you still, uh, I mean, how we can only go by the evidence we uncover and dig up. And after three million years, ain't a lot of it left if it's DNA and bones, organic material. Mm. Plus, they don't give us all the information. Do you believe everything that Smithsonian has released? They have bones of giants. Well, yeah, but show me the bones of a giant. There's pictures of them on the internet. Oh, yeah. So it's a lovely picture. They're all fake. No, really. Is there one in the Smithsonian? Is there one at the British Museum of Natural History? They say they're down. They say the Smithsonian has them. Smithsonian covered up a lot. The Smithsonian covered up a lot. You know, Smithsonian was actually owned by the Crown of England, right? Is isn't that true? Like 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 that's where they can't sort of originated out of. And, and, and then their whole thing was about keeping treasure. Well, the Smithsonian didn't come along until after we separated from England. How far does the Smithsonian date back? I don't know. Now you got me wondering. Because if you're right, that, that would blow a hole in that theory. That's for sure. Yeah, there is. But I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure the Smithsonian existed pre-United States. Well, the British Museum did, but I don't know about the uh, the Smithsonian. Nah. Let's see. Uh, I thought it only dated. Uh, it's 175 years old. It's much younger than the United States. Ah. Hmm. Yeah. So that kind of puts a hole in that theory, doesn't it? It does put a hole in it, yeah. It doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so I have no problem in believing in giants. I believe there's some evidence for them, but I'm a kick the tires kind of guy. I want to kick the tires of a UFO, although I do believe they're real. I believe there's enough evidence, circumstantial or otherwise, to convince me absolutely UFOs are real. But with giants, it's more there is some ancient historical written records of them. Uh, we do know there are have been tall people who have been around seven feet, even eight feet. Maybe those were giants to the little people of the time who were about four feet two. So maybe the concept of what a giant is, we've made them bigger now because we're taller. So seven mm-hmm. feet is not a giant to us anymore. But maybe they were when you were four feet tall. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, during the Middle Ages, what was the average height? Five feet, five feet two? Yeah, they were much shorter. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not ruling out giants, but again, to see the kind of giants with a skull is bigger than five humans combined, a little iffy unless I can actually see that skull. And if they did exist, their bones should be around, and you can't all hide them and all keep them hidden. Some grand world conspiracy going on. I, I just find that people are too different, and they're too motivated by their own interests and greed, and therefore... No one could keep a lid on everything worldwide forever. It would have to come out sooner or later. I think it is coming out. What in particular? All this stuff. The, the idea that, that giants existed, that, that um, UFOs exist, I mean, and aliens exist. I mean, it was just that Neil Gorsh guy at Congress. I think so, it is all. So all kinds yeah. of stuff is kind of but coming out. But where is corroborative evidence? Where is someone else who worked with him said, yes, I was there. I thought, I thought too. I know, but it was a, it's a ballsy thing to go in front of Congress and lie in front of the world. And yet people commit hoaxes all the time. With that? Hmm. I don't know. But I'm not saying it's not true. Yeah, nobody, nobody's coming out saying he's lying either. Well, actually, yes, they are. If you go on TikTok and is Instagram. There? Yeah, a lot of people. But there's a lot more people saying he's not. I personally don't think he's lying. I don't think he has any vested interest in destroying his reputation so utterly by lying to Congress. I think he's telling the truth as he sees it. But if the man is mentally impaired, his idea of reality and the truth might be very different. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, there were abductees or actually they were contactees, they were called at the time, who said they had been taken to Venus and they were explaining what Venus was like and they were taken to Saturn and landed on Saturn and saw the Saturnian, and we now know that you couldn't live on 900 degrees centigrade on Venus for an instant, mm-hmm. not to mention the incredible pressure of the atmosphere, you'd be crushed like a bug, and the same is even worse for Saturn as far as pressure goes. So the contactees, I think they thought what they were saying was real, but I just think they're mentally misguided people. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm playing the devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. I personally believe UFOs exist. I do believe people have been abducted. I do believe there's a conspiracy of silence by the part of our government, because I think the evidence is in, and it's substantial, and I think it corroborates the, those ideas. Would I like to grab a hold of a UFO and kick the tires of it? Yes, I would, but there's enough evidence where I've written a lot of books about it, claiming that it is real, and I personally believe it is real. I'm personally. Are you? I do believe it's real, and also when you were like mentioning, like you know, about the uh, how going to like Venus is impossible, how we'd be crushed. What if though these people are going to Venus 
on a different frequency. Well, okay. Now we're crossing over into metaphysics. Yeah, it's just, it, it gets weird, right? But, you know, even Archimedes, when he said, I, if, if you gave me a big enough lever and a place with which to stand, I could move the earth. But you still have to have a place to stand. And if you just go after everything, ghosts, shadow people, all of it, and lump it all together, there's no place left to stand. There's no point in even trying to observe. There's no point in trying to sci use the scientific method because it's completely out there because it's outside the realm of physics. Because we know it's out realm of we can't work that way. We have to mm -hmm. have some place to stand in which but, to observe. But, but now you're kind of contradicting out. yourself, too. Because you also said... Oh, that's no problem. Because, of, the, because of possibilities, right? <laughs> yeah, right? If we can think of it, <laughs> it's got, if, oh, it's, there's a possibility of it in some... No, no what I said was if information. possibility could manifest, it may not be in our particular universe, our yeah. collapsing reality as it continues to collapse for us. It may be in another reality, but mm -hmm. that's not our reality. That's not our universe. You can't, you know, uh, grab the bones of a giant from that universe and right. put it here. Not yet. And maybe someday, but not yet. Right. But, but, who, uh, but are you and I on the same universe? We don't even know. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, li I'm, li I'm, li I'm living in I'm living in Gary verse. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in Rob verse. <laughs> but I mean, like when you talk about frequencies and stuff, okay, that's a whole other thing. And there is some evidence for that as well. Uh, some of it's kind of convincing, some of it mm -hmm. not. I used to read all the, like the books of Seth, all the trans channeling books. I gave up on them because they all give you different ver versions of the afterlife. And none of them give you a concrete version of the af afterlife different levels of heaven, like nine or eight or seven, there's different frequencies and vibrations. Well, that's all well and good, but until I actually can see some solid evidence for it of some sort, uh, other than anecdotal, I, I, I don't say it doesn't exist, I, but I withhold judgment as to saying, yes, it does exist, and yes, it should be a part of science. Remote viewing, to me, has enough evidence behind it to suggest it could be a part of science, ESP, Parapsychology is—it's amazing. Yeah, and 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 yes, I've seen enough evidence to to believe it. Now, some of the more extreme aspects of it, uh, I'm not so sure, uh, but I don't discount it. I'm withholding judgment. I have an open mind on that. Hmm. Um, do I believe that there are things that exist out of time and space and we're affected by it? Deja vu, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. If you experience it, you have to kind of believe it, don't you? I think so. It's how I judge things. By the way, where do you think uh, uh, McConnell went? Uh, McConnell? McConnell, the, the head of the... Uh, oh, the, the, the guy in the Senate? Yeah, he the froze guy, guy keeps, He keeps freezing? Yeah. He, he just I mean, froze he just like yesterday or today. Yeah, he did. He just freezes up. Yeah, I, it's like, where did I, he go? I don't know. I, I thought, you said you had a seizure. Was your seizure like that? Yeah, that's what, he, it looks like a seizure to me. That's my first... First um, thing. I was wondering if his was more of a Julius type than that, than the regular type. Yeah, it wasn't like it's not a grand mal seizure, but you know there there are like these many seizures that do exactly what's happening to him. So you think it could be a Julius Caesar? A Julius Caesar <laughs> <laughs> or Caesar salad? <laughs> <laughs> for those who prone to seizures, we have a salad just for you. Know. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not really. You shouldn't make fun of it. It's a horrible thing to happen to human being. Uh, I, I would dread that happening. 
that, that's a whole that's mind. a whole other thing though. Like these these old guys. <laughs> yeah, he's like eighty one, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the clock is ticking for us. It's getting ever closer. I know that time is an illusion thing. Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to stop that, does it? No, no. We we do fade out. I don't know. I guess it's weird. I don't have an explanation. I don't want to fade out. I want to go out with a bang. I, well, I, I do like... too. I want to get. I want to die in a shark attack. Oh, not me! Oh yeah. No. Oh, having a bite. I'm stalking you. You're screaming in pain. Uh, uh, uh. How do you want to no. go? I I want to go. Um, well, if I can't go in my sleep, <laughs> then. Uh, you remember that prayer when you were a little kid? Now I lay me down to sleep. Mm -hmm. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Mm -hmm. When you're really little, you're taught that you might die in your sleep. That always scared the hell out of me. I thought, I, I might not wake up tomorrow. At five years old, you're thinking you might not wake up the next day. That's a terrible I remember thing. having that fear as a kid. Yeah. But if I can't die in my sleep, then I would like to... Um, die in some great discovery that I want answers. I don't want to die without answers. And if I have to die getting the answers, well, that's kind of okay. Hmm. I'd rather not die at all, mind you. And I'm still grasping onto the idea of that sacred chalice cup there, but, um, you know. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking if I die in a shark attack, get it on video. And then it would be good for my YouTube. You're going to film it while it's attacking you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, there goes my left foot. It, it would be good for my YouTube channel. What good would that do you after you're dead? My legacy. Who the heck cares about a legacy? My name would get you out. Know, my it, name, it, my it, name it, would get out there as the shark attack guy. Then people yeah, find out the shark. Then if people find out the shark guy, shark attack guy had all these podcasts, the people will stop listening to the podcast. And, 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 and then all of a sudden people will absorb all this information that I've put out there and it will change the world. Yeah. Whatever drug you're taking, I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, within about one or two generations, we're completely forgotten. You're just that tombstone with a name on it that nobody knows. Uh, I don't you know, are. man. People haven't forgotten these 3,000-year-old religions. That, those are memes. That's different. So, you know. Memes, memes will often survive the, the creators of the memes. They're, they almost actually they have actually been. But can you imagine? Like, like people will use my podcast episodes just like their Bible, maybe. It'll become a religion. Yes, but then it gets distorted all, beyond all belief, doesn't it? Hmm. Well, it can't. But the meme survives. It may, the, the meme may not uh, die. It may evolve and change, but it'll go on. Actually, some scientists have actually thought about considering memes as a form of life. Because hmm. they replicate, they reproduce, and they, they live. They seem to go on even after the person who originated them dies. Yeah. You won't be remembered, but your memes might be. See, I kind of look at them as like a mind virus. Yeah, well, the idea I kind of look at it as, as like chocolate well, syrup on ice cream, but it doesn't mean it's real. No, it doesn't mean it's real, but you, you can change the way people think. You can change the world. You can change their reality. All it takes is a very slight change in the way people think, and this world would change very drastically. Yes, it would, but have you seen that happening? 
I think so. I think we have been seeing that happening. I think I've seen when, it. When, I, when, I've, when I've asked you about that paradigm shift earlier, yeah. Speaking of a paradigm shift, why is it that there have been more UFO sightings than ever in history recently? Why are there more sightings of shadow people than ever in history? And why are more people questioning reality than ever in history? Are we approaching a major paradigm shift? We're making it ourselves, though, by questioning, right? If, if well, enough exactly. people, if enough so people are believing and thinking something, it's going to become real. Do you remember that thing recently, quite recently? So, so we, can, we can reshape reality. Absolutely we can. Well, I'd like to change a lot of the stuff in my house to gold if I can do that. All right, let's do that. And I'd like to get rid of a few wrinkles, maybe get a little taller, lose a little weight. Do you think I can think myself into that? Absolutely. <clears throat> I've been trying for a long time now, so far nothing. But it does seem like the outside reality has changed. <clears throat> well... Or is it just our perspective of it? Again, but, but if it's just our perspective of it, then that still again proves that an idea can change reality. No, it doesn't. It just changes our perspective of reality. But that's I can we, look at that, it. Isn't that all I have, though, is my perspective of reality? Yes, but it doesn't mean it's the correct one. You've heard the old, um, uh, like a poem about the blind men inspecting an elephant and trying to decide what it is, what it's like. And one touches the leg and says, oh, I see the elephant. Yeah, it's very like yeah. the trunk of a tree or it's like a mm -hmm. snake because the tail or it's like a snake for the trunk, yeah. I guess. Okay. So if you so the elephant has to change. It's just each person's perspective on what it is has mm -hmm. changed. But the elephant's still the same. Yeah. That's why I gotcha. brought – No, because <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I brought into that whole probability thing. I only understand the probability that I'm in. Well, that's the other thing. So I'm it's limited to I'm limited to, to the amount of information that I have access to in this probability. But could you, which raises the question: Could we somehow tap into other information from other realities? We should be able to. How about when you sort of manifested that thing with the book? That was outside of time. Yes. So that would be out of what I would consider our reality. Yes. My synchronicities, and I've had more than one, honestly. Uh, the, uh, do they not step outside of our reality? If they step outside of the flow of time as we know time to seem to be? I think so. And what about that woman on the plane just recently that jumped up and said she it was screaming, ran to the front of the plane, was shut, and she says, I don't care whether you people believe me or not. That guy is not real. He's not a real human being. Is not, and they had to tap to the plane back to the gate and let her off. I don't know if she was rested or not. Mm -hmm. But she was absolutely convinced that this guy in a hoodie seated next to her was not a real human being. Now, again, the problem with hoaxes comes into it. Not with her. That was probably quite real. But there was a guy who came on and said he was seated one seat behind, saw the guy in the hood. The guy turned around and winked at him, and he had a nictating membrane. He winked sideways with his eye rather than up and down. That later turned out that he was involved in other hoaxes. So you have to discount that stuff. Always you get these people jumping on the bandwagon and basically muddying the field. But mm -hmm. she really meant it. She wanted out that plane despite the fact she knew she probably would get arrested and be charged and might spend time in jail for it. Mm -hmm. You do not upset a plane when it's taxiing down the runway. 
without there being repercussions, strong repercussions. And she even said, I'm not crazy. You people can believe me or not. She actually says it. You can watch the video. That guy is not real. I went off this plane. If you want to stay on this plane and I'll die with him, you can. But I'm not going to stay on this plane. And, and she was dressed normally, looked quite normal. So I don't know what that was all about. But that sort of thing has happened a lot lately. And I find it frightening. Hmm. Do you think that these people can see something that other people cannot? Or do you think that they're only imagining? Or a combination of the two? It's probably things are just blurring together. Well, I mean, I think some people are really seeing it and believe it. Other people think they see it and believe it. And there are people who are hoaxing it and don't really believe what they're saying. Most politicians are that way, for example. (laughs) But uh, you, uh, uh, I'm not sure what to think anymore. I, I find reality is kind of like quicksand of late. And I'm not sure where I can stand, where it's terra firma and and be able to use the scientific method. When I first got into UFOs, I was strictly scientific method. I was a MUFON field investigator. We used every tool in the book that we had, and we were rigid about it. We discounted 95% of the science people saw as something else, and we investigated it thoroughly. It took me mm-hmm. days to investigate and research a, a sighting. If there was an airfield nearby, if it was a cloudy day, I discounted it, because it could have been a plane they saw part of in the clouds, but it was a UFO. I mean, all sorts of reasons. But uh, now I'm not sure if does the scientific method work? Yes, I'm a firm believer in it. But does it work for everything? I'm not so sure at all. And that bothers me a lot. Well, the scientific method can only work for things that we understand. Or that things that oh, we're, no, no. It, or, or things it, that it we're works. able to understand. But it cannot explain things that are outside of... I mean, we're trying to discover the unknown. Right? Yes, but that's exactly what scientists and, and that's are really, doing. And that's really tricky, though. Well, it is tricky, but that's what science is all about, and it's discovered a lot of the unknown and made it known. Gene splicing, um, germs. We didn't mm-hmm. know germs existed. Now we do. Uh, outer space, Mars, Venus landing on them, orbiting them. The scientific method has helped us to understand more yes. and more of our reality. But I don't know if it has its limitations. And there's some things that we need some different set of tools. Or is it just that our monkey brains can never fully comprehend it all? Mm-hmm. Are we just incapable of it? And should we go through a technological singularity and unite with uh, cyborgs and become half AI and half human in order to understand more? Is that what's required? Is that the next great step? Is that the, There's a lot of people that say the human species, as we know it, will end in the century. Humans will exist, but they will be... A, Homo superior, not homo sapien, because we'll have united with our technologies to the point where it has the analytical capabilities of a quantum computer, but we have the creative and emotional abilities. Synthesize the two, and you might have a whole new, very powerful being, perhaps almost godlike. That's possible. So is, it, yeah, is that where we're headed? You don't, you don't think that's is it probable? I think it's probable. Absolutely. I believe that anything that a person can think of is probable, because I don't think we're that smart. Like, you think, I don't think we're that smart either. That's well, I, I don't know about you. <laughs> well, but I, well, yeah, you, but I think I, you know, I I mean, think as I'm humans in general, though, I, don't, I think we're, our intelligence is limited. 
Yeah, but see, I'm an alien. My father said so, so I must. That's true. <laughs> and you might have, yeah. you probably have better insight into this or, or, or larger perspective than I can stretch into. Or time. I'm just more bewildered and confused than anybody else. It's, uh, it's like that line from Macbeth, by the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Mm-hmm. Something is coming. In fact, I'm really thinking about writing a book with that title, Something is Coming. Because something is coming. Something big, something momentous, something utterly different. And whether it's going to be good or bad or both, I'm not sure. But I suspect it will be wonderful in nature, but also apocalyptic in nature. What makes you suspect? The evidence that I've seen over just the last few years has been really piling up. All right. Let's hear it. Let's hear the evidence. Well, for instance, the number of people who are sighting UFOs is skyrocketing. The number of people who see shadow people is skyrocketing. Uh, the number of people claiming someone isn't real or not human is skyrocketing. Either we have a, we're undergoing a, a, a collective, um, uh, psychosis or we're approaching something new, something different. It seems like, it seems like we're exploring every direction and we're making incredible discoveries everywhere. The sum total of human knowledge is doubling at a rate now we can't even keep up with where we can catalog it or index it to where we can easily tap into it. I mean, just the stream of data from the voyages alone with the equivalent of how many countless encyclopedias. <laughs> and that's just one thing. It's coming in in every direction from every field. And it's just amazing. In fact, they're now saying, according to an article I read in the news, that it might be possible to have a form of immortality by 2030. Hmm. Yeah, it, it wouldn't keep you like, from dying like, in an accident. Like, like consciousness download or physical immortality? No, they're, they're talking about where you don't grow old, where you have immortality as far as aging goes. You could still die in a car accident or a plane crash mm-hmm. or get shot and killed. But that, uh, as far as aging as being a factor, you're no longer going to have a limited lifespan. You could go on indefinitely. Although, of course, it couldn't go on forever because even if you just stood in one spot in a steel dome, sooner or later a giant meteor will hit there. It might take a million years or a billion years, but sooner or later it's going to get hit. Mm-hmm. Something's going to get you. But you might get to live a really, really long time first. So, I mean, things are changing at a rapid rate. I mean, a year ago, I flipped light switches in my house. I now have 52 smart bulbs and devices in my home. I have three Alexas. I can't live without them. I walk into a room and I tell it, turn on the light. My parents would have been flabbergasted by that, at the mere voice command. Mm-hmm. I remember in the ninth grade, my science teacher, earth science teacher said, we'll never have robots or computers that can speak because we take a computer as big as a city block building to be able to do even the basics. But then that was when there was vacuum tubes around, not transistors and, and microchips. Within a couple of years, she was proved completely wrong. That's how fast things, and now things are speeding up even more. Do you ever feel like it's on a runaway train? I wouldn't say I feel like we're on a runaway train. I feel, I feel that things are becoming. I feel an instability. I feel like things are becoming less solid, more unstable. Well, that everything's becoming way more fluid. Yeah. I mean, the future might be a a whole multiple things. There might be people downloaded and sent to other star systems in something the size of a soda can, Mm -hmm. because they're all on microchips and living a very happy life in their simulated universe while they're traveling to 
Alpha Centauri or Zeta Reticuli or wherever. There might be other people upload themselves into a simulation here on Earth, which is much more pleasant than the real one. And there might be people who just genetically alter themselves so that they can live on uh, Jupiter or Venus in its current state. Well, we have to do these things, really, if we're surprised as a species, because like you said, the planet only has a limited lifespan. But again, that isn't the survival of the species. It's survival of the species. We'd be diversifying and becoming entirely different species in each one of those scenarios. True. Would a Jovian human be anything like a human on Earth? No, totally different. They might be giant hydrogen balloons with a, an electric network for a brain, and they might sail around in the upper atmosphere of Jupiter. That's not what I would call human. That, to me, would be totally alien, but it might be what a human might become to live on Jupiter. On Venus, it would be utterly different. You might have to learn to breathe sulfuric acid. Mm-hmm. But um, Or if you're in a tin can flying to Alpha Centauri, you're going to be in a, living in a simulation, and you'll be a microchip, basically. That's where your personality is stored. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, the human as we know it may very soon be extinct. Hmm. There might be other humans who are half machine, half human. So, I mean, you must have read a science fiction story where they put a human brain in a rocket ship because that works better than trying to keep a human alive. Yeah. You know, generate. But, I mean... Is that person still human as we think of it? And by the time they finished all those experiments, would they be considered human, even if they started out that way? Now we have to define what a human is. Exactly my point. And I think the human species as we know it right now will soon be extinct, or a subspecies of many species of human. Do you think all existing humans on this planet are the same species of human? Or do you think that we've already started changing? Maybe because of cloning or just eating genetically modified foods. Uh, I don't know, but I sometimes glow in the dark. You do? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd like to, though. <laughs> We're safe having to switch on nightlight. But uh, the, uh, and, uh, and hell no, I won't glow. But um, no, I, I, I think all through history that's been happening. You have the blonde Nordic races in the cold environment. You have the more brown-skinned races in the tropical zones. It's no accident that people in Mexico, the Polynesian Islands, Australia, and Africa are all darker-skinned. It's because they had to adapt to their environment. Are they a different species? No. As long as you can still interbreed, you're not a different species. But are they a different race from us? Yes, we're all different races. Some of us have more Neanderthal genes than others. Some have less. I'm not sure which is better, actually, because mm-hmm. apparently Neanderthal genes also brought their share of genetic problems, diseases. So, um, but yeah, we were already differentiating because we were in isolation geographically. And uh, we do it with dogs, cats, animals, any, any animal you need. We have genetically been altering, not genetically as a manipulation, but through breeding them. I mean, you can't, a lot of people say, well, a dachshund isn't the same thing as a, a, a Great Dane. They would think of it as almost a different species, wouldn't they? So, do so you these think, are evolution for you. Do you think if, if a current version of Rob goes back 10,000 years and meets a human of that time, do you think that human is going to recognize you as a human or look at you oh, yeah. as a different species? No, 10,000 years would be pretty much the same. The human species has been pretty much the same for the last 10,000 years. 10,000? Yeah. 10,000. Yeah. 
Now, if you want to go back 200,000 or 250,000 when the Neanderthals were out, mm-hmm. well, apparently even we thought of them as humans too. They didn't look as different. They weren't knuckle draggers like they used to be depicted. They were really very human looking. But you could go back even further where they probably, some early subspecies of humans, look far more like monkeys and apes. And we would not consider them human at all, any more than we consider a chimpanzee or a gorilla human. And yet our genetic difference between them and us is minor. Minor. But how do you explain our consciousness? I think it's a manifestation of quantum behavior, superposition. Uh, in quantum behavior, you have the physical and you have the wave. You have the particle state and the wave state. I think the brain is the particle, physical state, and the mind is the wave state. And also, we have proven, physicists have proven, that reality is not real locally. That locally, reality is not real. They've proven that. With quantum physics and if it's not real and if our mind is a wave function of the brain that our mind is a wave function and there you're then you can get into the, all that frequency stuff you were talking about. right and our minds may be non-local too that may be why you could have that thing happen with your book and why i have synchronicities because it's outside their normal state of existence it's in a superimposed state with maybe a multiple probabilities possibilities hmm. Interesting. It's an interesting combination of theories because one is very linear, <laughs> which is evolution, and then quantum, which is not linear. Well, actually, evolution would have to be a function of the quantum, and it may have been a, either a deliberate or some version. It may be. And you think it's been, it used to trick us into linear thinking? Well, there, there's... Some scientists actually believe that all objects in the universe might have some consciousness, however minimal it might be, that they, that because they also exist, exist in a superimposed state, they probably are capable. Now, a rock may have almost nothing of consciousness the way we see it, but that doesn't mean it's not conscious at all. Mm-hmm. Or a worm, or a cat, or a dog, or a human. Uh, they have consciousness. Is it as developed as ours? No. Is that a function of their brain? The particle state, meaning the wave state, is less powerful than the brain, the physical state is? I don't know. But uh, consciousness may be a basic function of the universe. It may be what compels the universe. It may be the reason for the universe's existence. And not just our consciousness, but the consciousness of a rock, a tree, a dog, whatever. It may be that before you can have reality, you have to have consciousness of some sort. If you, if there's, for instance, the moon, does the moon exist when you're not looking at it? Not to me, no. Oh, but, but it does. Yeah, it's still there because somebody, somebody else is looking at it. No, no, it's there because of quantum physics. Mm-hmm. If something is observed, and it doesn't have to be observed by humans, but by another state of anything else around uh-huh. it, that's enough to collapse the function. So if even one photon interacts with the moon, that makes the moon real. That makes sense. That kind of goes along with like the idea of Indra's net. So even though you're not looking at the moon, yeah. it is still there because it's, it. it is being observed in the sense that 
other physical forces or energy forces are interacting with it, mm-hmm. and it, it's collapsing the wave front, so to speak, into a reality that the moon is there. Same with you and with me. But from moment to moment, that collapse continues from instant to instant. Uh, maybe it's as short a time as a GIF, which is the smallest unit of time that you can possess. And if it, it may happen from GIF to GIF, and that's what keeps continuing the creation of reality as we see it. Can we uncreate reality? Well, no, because the reality we're in now is almost like a consensus. I see this desk, you see this desk. I can stop seeing this desk, but you still see the desk, so the desk still exists. Or sunlight's hitting the desk, so it still exists. Or air is wafting over the desk, so it still exists. As long as there's interaction on the quantum level, it is being observed in a, in a, in a classical sense, not in the conscious sense as we know it, but it's still being interacted with and therefore it's do you believe do you believe that light has consciousness or is, is a result of consciousness well if you're religious god said let there be light so you'd have to say it's a result of consciousness mm-hmm. uh light has gone from every end of the universe we're not isolated our planet's not isolated from a planet on the other side of the universe they've both been bathed in light back and forth through said intermediary Ether, if you want to call it, or field, what do you call it? The Higgs boson field or whatever, but mm-hmm. our universe is enmeshed in fields of energy. So you're not completely disconnected any more than the fingers on your hand are disconnected. If I poke my fingers in my hand through a piece of paper, a little hole, and you look at that piece of paper and you've never seen a hand before, you see four or five, if I can get my thumb up there, uh, five distinctly separate things wiggling. And they don't look connected at all. Mm-hmm. But if you can see the underlying reality, you will see that they're all part of one thing, the hand. So we see the universe as a bunch of separate, isolated galaxies, planets, stars. But they're not. They're all enmeshed in the same fields. Life has traveled the full width of the universe. So is the Higgs boson apparently permeates the entire universe. So we're like pieces of meat in a, in a soup. We think we're all separate and isolated, but there's that broth all around us. That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> well, oneness. <laughs> so basically, we're chicken soup. <laughs> or just one. That's a good book. The universe is chicken soup. Chicken soup for the universe. <laughs> uh, they have it for everything else. Chicken soup for the yeah, soul. Right. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but if you see my point, at our level of reality, we think this is all there is, but it hardly is, and that's why I think shadow people may exist. Follow another dimension. I don't think it's so much other dimensions. It's a part of a greater reality. Just because you can't see the whole light spectrum doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Just because you can see red and blue, but your eyes don't go into the ultraviolet and you can't even see indigo, doesn't mean indigo isn't there. It's there. You just don't see it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way it is with the universe. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. <laughs> and uh, so do ghosts and goblins and spooks exist? They very well might. And they might not be in a different dimension or a different reality. They might just be a part of our own greater reality. Mm-hmm. Be like living in LA downtown versus the suburbs. Still the same thing. Yeah, and it also becomes hard to define if we what re, 
If we can't define reality, then it's hard to define what belongs in which reality to begin with. <laughs> right? Yeah, no place to stand. <laughs> I wonder if that's just a philosophical thing, though. I mean, that we, we it's like a thought trap that we get ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to get outside of it. I'm trying to get past it. Do you want to get back on terra firma? No, I want to get back to, I want to go past what I can think and see an even larger perspective from the ideas that we're, we're considering now. You know, I wonder like what is outside of it, you know, like what is the bigger perspective? Well, like for instance with Earth, we think of other dimensions as not being our Earth or parallel Earth. Mm-hmm. What if Earth exists in multiple dimensions simultaneously? It has to, probably, if we're going it to the probability well. thing. And if you're living in a two-dimensional world and someone plunged a hand into your plane of existence, how much of that hand would you see? Just pieces. You would see a slice of that hand only. You wouldn't see what was above or what was below. You'd just see that slice. Mm-hmm. It would be very hard to interpolate that as a hand under those circumstances. That could be our, our, our reality. We're living in a slice of it. But I think it's all one. I really do think it's all one reality. Mm-hmm. You can't call something paranormal or supernormal if it's a part of the greater universe. Because if it's a part of the universe, then it's not paranormal. It's part of the normal. You're right. You're exactly right. The paranormal is really normal. Because if it's a yeah. part of the normal, you're right. Absolutely. That, so, that's where that definition falls apart. You know? Yeah, we'll see. If you were a cultist or... Single-minded, then you can just seize on one small fact of it or part of it and run with that, as so many people do. And that's unfortunate, but it seems to be a hallmark of the human race. Mm -hmm. I used to think everyone was equal. I was always like a left-wing liberal Democrat, and I used to think everyone is pretty much the same as me, equal. It took me a long time to realize that there were smarter people and there were dumber people and there were people who get fixated with simple ideas and simple answers to complex questions that don't work, but they work for them. A lot of us want to be told what to do. Whether it's a preacher or a politician, we want our existence. We don't want to have to make the decisions that someone else makes them for us. Tell me if I'm good or bad. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Tell me if I should vote for this person or that person. Hmm. And it's very hard in our society because our society trains us to be that way. It wants us to conform. And it starts in school. You know that line from the king and I, um, you have to be carefully taught. And they're talking about children. And that we teach our children to believe what is and what isn't, and what's valuable and what isn't valuable. And we're all a product of that social engineering, whatever society we're in. Mm-hmm. If you're born in a Muslim country, 99.9% chance you're going to be a Muslim. If you're born in a Christian country, it's just the opposite. You're probably going to be Christian. Mm-hmm. That is beginning to change in the Western Hemisphere because a lot of people aren't anything anymore. But um, that's we are a victim of circumstances. And it's awfully hard to get around that. Even if you're fairly intelligent, it's hard to get around that. It's hard to get past. Most of the scientists of the 18th century and the 17th century were brilliant men. But they still were firmly convinced in Christianity or Muslim or whatever. And so you have people uh, furious with Charles Darwin for ever raising the idea of evolution. Mm-hmm. You have people uh, believing in the catastrophism theory 
that God created and uncreated the earth multiple times, and that's why there's all these different layers in the earth's history, and it's so different in each layer, like dinosaurs and stuff. And then you have people like Jehovah Witness, for example, and it's just an example, I'm not picking on them, who believe that the earth was created old and the dinosaur bones were just put in there to give the impression the earth is old. Why God would do that, I don't know, but the Jehovah's Witness think that's sort of the case from what I could witness. So we are a victim of our beliefs and our backgrounds. And it's very hard to overcome that. And when we do, we're often lost. I remember my English professor, Mr. Baird, all year long, I was he called me the class optimist because he was talking about the riots. And I said, uh, uh, all those riots were staged. You know, people were coming with bags of feces. They were prepared to riot, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, he says, you don't really believe that, do you, Rob? I said, yeah, I do. I've read it, and that's what it says. And finally, by the end of his class, I, my belief system was breaking down. And I wrote an essay, and I said, all right, you've, you've destroyed the temples of my beliefs. Now, what do you replace them with? And he read the damn essay loud in class and embarrassed the heck out of me. And he looked right at me, so everyone knew it was my essay. I went bright red. And he read the part where, so what do we replace our belief systems with? And he looked at me right in the eye, and he goes, nothing. We replace it, nothing. You keep a totally open mind or as open as you can manage. And that's the only way you can view reality in the world. And I thought, well, at the time, I thought, well, that's no answer at all. That leaves me with nothing oh, to hold on right. to. Nothing. Yeah, he was right. He was a brilliant man. I wish I'd realized it at the time. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> that was pretty deep. <clears throat> so, um, you want to wrap this one up and take a little break and do the next one? Sure, if you like. We got to promote, promote, promote. Oh, I have to promote now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I write a lot of books, uh, fiction lot of books. and a lot of nonfiction, which I'm very happy with. And you can find those at Amazon.com or you can go to Permuted Press. I have a new one coming out with Cambridge Publishing out of Cambridge, England. Uh, one of my books is with Simon & Schuster. I have a lot of self-published ones on Amazon Kindle or Smashwords or Barnes & Noble. So all you have to do is Google my name, Rob Shelsky. Or just go to Amazon Kindle and type in my name and you'll find me. Right. Is that good? That's so, a good promotion? That's a good promotion. And I'll put a, a link to your books on Amazon in the notes of this episode. Okay, cool. I don't remember what they are. They're really long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll be seeing you in what, about half an hour? Um, yep, in an hour. I'll send you the in link. In an hour? Yep. Oh, okay. So we're talking about 834? Yep, 8.30. 8.30. Okay, good. Time for a glass of wine. All right. Enjoy. <laughs> I'll talk to you in a little bit. <laughs> I'll see you in a little bit. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I click leave, but I'm not leaving. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. 
click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.